boy have I missed that music because it can only mean one thing. Another season of Baylor football is upon us just a few weeks away now from kicking off here in Waco, Texas against Albany. And joining your host, Travis Corley, today is Scotty Swingler. We're going to be talking upcoming season, the expectations for the offense, for the defense, what excites us about the season, what worries us about the season, and then introducing a very special segment we like to call Oh So or Oh No. So stick around. It's going to be a fun episode, a lot to get through. So here we go. Please bear with me. Welcome one and welcome all to season six. Yes, that's right. Season six, episode one. Kind of hard to believe we've been doing. Please bear with me now for six great, great seasons and joining me today, former host and creator of Please Bear With Me, Scotty Swingler. What is up? What's up, man? Happy to be here. Hey, I'm happy you're here too, and I'm happy to be here because when we start recording the podcast, that means that it is time for some Baylor football, and Praise couldn't be Lord. more. Ex- yeah, couldn't couldn't be more excited for for this upcoming season. I think lots of people have some high expectations for this team, and my expectations are are pretty pretty high as well. To be quite oh, honest yeah. with you. Um, so as of today, as of this recording, we've got 16 days, 16 days until we kick off versus Albany, 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 one of the two, either way, man, either way, either way. And (laughs) we've been doing a countdown to Baylor football. I think ever since like day 32 and I've been like counting down Jersey numbers and I'm like running out of Jersey numbers, but I think I've got, I've got everything lined up. And today was Tevin Reese, like Man, one of the most electric wide receivers. And when you think about like Baylor wide receivers, he's probably like not the first one that comes to your mind. You're thinking Corey Coleman, you're thinking Kendall Wright, but man, Tevin Reese is is one of the all-time great wide receivers and a, a, a great countdown today. And we've got many more uh, up ahead that I'm excited to release. So 16 days, 16 days. And whew, before we get into this season, I, I do want to take a moment just to think about last season and how incredibly special last season was. And like, I encourage you if, if you're listening right now to pause the podcast and really think about last season, because what a ride and what a historic season it was for the Baylor bears. I mean, a program record 12 wins, our first new year, six um, bowl win. If you want to include BCS in that as well, sure, because we didn't win any of those either. So, whew, like some consider this the best Baylor team of all time. I'm one of those people. Uh, that's a debate for another day, but I mean, whew, what a special season. 12 wins is extremely hard to do. And I was looking back, Scotty, at 
since the college football playoff started in 2014, there's been an average of five teams per year win 12 or more games. So that's out of 130 Division I teams, mm. which means it's less than a 4% chance mm. that your team can win 12 wins. And that's not including postseason wins. I'm sure, who, who you know, there's two teams that make the playoff that probably have 12 wins that don't win a postseason game. So 12 wins plus a postseason game is even less chance th- than 4%. So, I mean, what a special year last year was. And... Um, you know, that's a big reason why I think expectations are pretty high. It's exciting times, man. It's a good Very. time to be a Baylor football fan. It's a good time to be a Baylor athletics fan. I liked that I think it was Evan Hebert that tweeted today, the last six times the Big 12 has given out a championship in football, men's basketball, or women's basketball, five times it's been Baylor taking home that trophy, man. Yeah. So, great time Insane. to be a Baylor Bear. Insane. Yeah, just mm. – Great time. Couldn't have said it better myself. Great time to be a Baylor Bear. And hey, let's roll right in to the 2022, yes, 23 season. God, I forgot what year it was. Um, (laughs) And we don't talk about recruiting a lot on this podcast, but I do want to kick it off with a huge recruit that Baylor landed a couple months ago. Um, Austin Novosad, quarterback from Dripping Springs uh, here in Texas, um, affirmed his uh, had committed before, but now has affirmed that, hey, I'm shutting it down. Baylor is the Baylor's where it's at. This is where I'm coming. Um, just incredible work by Sean Bell. What are your thoughts on Novosad? First thought is exactly what you just said, that that the, one of the major reasons I think Novosad stays with Baylor is Baylor was first, right? Baylor identified his talent and gave him an offer before he had really risen up the boards and become more nationally known as a high-profile recruit. There's an advantage to being the first major college that says, hey, we want you here. And when you're coming off a Big 12 championship and you are the first to offer a kid like that, uh, that, that is credit to Sean Bell and that whole scouting team there at Baylor. Secondly, Travis, I wonder out loud, and I'd love your feedback, if this isn't the most important commitment in Baylor football's history. And I say that to say, first of all, not, not, I mean, yes, from a like level of talent and hype coming out of high school. Um, we have not had that many very highly rated guys. Ahmad Dixon was one. Mm-hmm. Robbie Rhodes was another, and that was a disaster. Um, we certainly had, haven't had any guys come in at that level in a long time. And when I think of why this is so special, it's not that he's coming to Baylor. It's that he's coming to Baylor and in the process then went and visited Ryan Day and Ohio State and told them no. And Ohio State is a perennial top three team in the nation. And Ohio State has just been a quarterback factory mm-hmm. for 15 years now. You think about the guys coming through there. Even the guys like Braxton Miller, who who uh, didn't play quarterback in the NFL – played several years as a wide receiver in the NFL. They take great quarterbacks who have great college careers and then go play in the NFL. And for Novosad to tell them and Notre Dame and Texas A&M, no, to stick with Baylor, I think makes him one of the most important recruits, if not the most important recruit in the program's history. Yeah, it's... It would be hard for me to say just off off the top of my head that he is the most important, but I definitely agree that he is one of the most important because, you know, hey, 
we all remember the COVID year. We all remember kind of Aranda had to rebuild this thing back up um, for, for what it is. Um, but yeah, like this is the... This is the quarterback position here. Okay, this isn't wide receiver, which we got a ton of just highly rated wide receivers during that Bryles era. Um, but this is the quarterback position. And no disrespect to the other positions, but like this is this is the probably the most important position um on the field. And so for everybody who plays football knows that. That's not disrespect. Yeah. Everybody okay. who plays football knows that's true. Yeah. So I I mean for him, like you said, to go to these top like top tier colleges and a firm back to Baylor is huge and I think about it even more in the uh context of the NIL like hmm. I think those three schools have far more um money to offer yeah, in NIL standards sure. than Baylor mm -hmm. and yep. like that's huge but also credit to Baylor for staying competitive as a smaller university, smaller alumni base for staying competitive in the NIL um, atmosphere. It's kind of the wild west right now. So like you, we all know why A&M had the number one recruiting class. We, we right. all know, okay, it's That's NIL. Right. So like right. for him to turn that down in Ohio State and, and Notre Dame and, and come to Baylor is huge. So, you whew, know, what's interesting yeah, about that important. too, what's interesting about that too, we still have a couple years before we can really say how NIL shakes out. The Baylor is staying competitive, and Texas Tech hmm. uh, is staying uh, at the top of this next class. And I think that just goes to show NIL is going to swing some guys. But your staff, it's still about your staff and your staff culture because I would attribute Tech's success to Joey McGuire directly. And I would attribute Baylor's success, both with Rule and now Aranda, to those dudes have both put in the mileage and the work with Texas high school football coaches and so you are still going to be able to compete despite NIL. Um, but yeah, it is. It Absolutely. is. Nova Sod's commitment is we cannot overstate its importance. It's incredible. Yeah. And last thing I'll say here is, you know, we got we had some momentum in the recruiting game this summer, I think, from winning the Big 12 championship. And like. There's a point like think about like if you're running and you're a runner and you get to a point where you just like kind of hit a brick wall and you're like, man, I don't think I can go any faster. And then like you get a shot of adrenaline and kind of that second wind. I feel like that's what Novasad is to our recruiting is like, yeah. we had like 14 recruits in like 14 days, 14 commitments, something crazy like that this summer. And it kind of like stalled a little bit. And then Novasad like came out affirmed with Baylor. And then I think we just hit that second wind. So I'm really excited about the next class and the next class after that. And it's just, man, we're, we got this thing rolling from a recruiting standpoint oh, yeah. and from a winning standpoint. So Speaking of winning, let's let's get into this season now and, and talk about this team and players that are going to be on this team this year. Um, what are you most excited for this season? Everything. Um, <laughs> let me give you let me give you three things. Um, just because I'm a Baptist preacher and three things is easy for me to categorize. Right. Uh, I would say first. Like, let's remember, this is only year three under Dave Aranda and Ron Roberts and only year two under Jeff Grimes. And I point that out to say we haven't even come close to the ceiling yet. Uh, most people for head coaches will say give them till year three and four before you even judge, you know, their ability as a coach. For offenses, you say give them at least three years to install the offense. We just had this 12-win historic season you're talking about in year one under an OC. 
And so for me, just the idea of like this team has not even sniffed its ceiling. I really don't think, at least from like a schematic and coaching perspective, year three under Aranda, year two under Grimy, I'm excited to see the jump. The second thing I'm excited about, and I'm going to knock, I've got a wooden table right next to me. I will knock as soon as I say this. I'm excited to see a healthy Squirrel Williams and Gavin Holmes. I mean, I knocked with you. Thank you. Because, like, these are two of the most athletically gifted kids we've ever had at Baylor that just cannot catch a break. And we've all seen just, you know, it happens throughout the course of time. It is what it is. It is the heartbreak of sports. Some of the most mega talented guys have their careers wrecked by injury. And so, good grief, man. Um, getting Squirrel and Gavin on the field this season is going to be a delight and a joy. And I expect both of them to be big contributors. And the third thing I'm most excited about this season, and I think this is just the common thing everybody would say, I'm excited about our defensive front seven, man. Oh, man. I just think, I just think uh, the talent, the experience, the scheme, oh, man. all of it, uh, what our defensive front is going to do to opposing offensive lines is frightening and exhilarating. And I cannot wait to see it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm right there with you on the front seven. Like, you think back to uh, 2019 with Lynch, Lockhart, and Roy, like, just how they wreaked havoc. And I think we're going to hit a higher level than what they did. And that front seven is, like, deep, too. It's not just the the first seven guys. Like, I feel like we've got 12 to 14 guys that we're going to play on the defensive line or at linebacker. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that as well. But what I am most excited for is bringing back deep bombs to the Mm. Baylor offense, because that is what was missing last year. I think like, I feel like Grimes like was on the sideline, just like itching his like wrist and just like down to the bone because he like, Love Gary Bohannon, but like he just couldn't call those first down bombs that he wanted to. And like he just didn't feel confident doing it. And he was just like, ah, just scratching down to his bone. And I feel like he's going to uh, open up the offense this year with with Blake Shapin. And I think, man, I'm just excited to uh, to see the deep bombs, to see those first down play action uh, throws like those are going to be in the offense more this year. I and to your point. Like the, uh, the scheme, we have not hit the ceiling. Like, I honestly feel like we've seen less than 50% of what this offense can do Mm. because I remember watching, um, BYU highlight tapes of when Zach Wilson, uh, before Grimey came over, Zach Wilson, the quarterback and like, dude, he was, he was throwing it all over the field in like 20, 30 yard, uh, completions over the middle. And like, it, it, it was impressive. And we didn't see that last year. We didn't at all because like, like I said, I love Gary, but I, I just don't think he could do that consistently. And I think we've got a quarterback this year that can do that consistently. So as good as our offensive line is, as good as our running game is going to be, that's going to alleviate pressure from the run game. And so I think if we hit this thing right, we're going to be hitting on all cylinders. So man, I'm, I'm most excited for opening the offense and offense up, seeing, seeing some deep bombs. That's, that's what mm. I'm pumped about. And on the opposite, on the opposite hand, on the other side of the coin, the biggest question mark is what we'll, we'll, we'll move to now. And for me, the biggest question mark 
moving into this season is I've been flip-flopping between our defensive backfield and our wide receivers. And I think that I'm going to lean towards our wide receivers because our defensive front is so good that I think that will alleviate a lot of pressure from our defensive backfield. But also our defensive backfield does have some experience back there. Um, more experience than the wide receivers. So the wide receiver group is probably my biggest question mark. I'm not like super duper concerned like because there is a lot of talent in that wide receiver group. It's just so little experience. I was thinking about this, like correct me if I'm wrong, but if you added up the total amount of receptions our wide receivers have in a big 12 game, I bet it's less than five. Because I think Monterey Baldwin had one reception last year. And yeah, I thinking well, about Josh Cameron, how Presley, yeah. how Presley def, definitely hasn't had a catch for uh, in, in yeah. a big 12 game. Your like, two, your two most experienced guys because they have played a lot of snaps are Gavin Holmes and Josh Fleeks, who moved to tailback. Oh, I forgot about Fleeks. Which okay, so to that point, he's not a wide receiver technically anymore. So right. like that that's kind of what I'm getting at is like, do we have the talent? Absolutely. Absolutely we've got talent, but we don't have the experience. We don't have the uh game reps that you know I would like to see. And I don't think we're gonna need four, five, six receivers to hit this year. I think we need two or three to hit this year because we have such amazing tight ends in Dabney right. and in Sims. So right. like that alleviates a little bit of that concern for me as well, because we, we don't need four or five guys to hit. We just need two or three. We just need two or three. So like, what about you? Are, are you concerned with wide receivers or what is your biggest concern kind of moving into this next season? Man. Okay. So, um, I got to go on Drake tolls podcast. uh, during the spring actually, and talk about this. I, uh, maybe I'm absurd. I am not the littlest slightest bit worried about our receiving core. I think that group is so deep. I think we're actually going to talk about it later and I'll go into it more later. Yeah. Um, I'm actually really confident that it's going to be one of our best position groups this season, believe it or not. Um, I'm going to tell you what my biggest question mark is. And it's funny coming off of what we just talked about. We're excited about my biggest question mark is Blake Shapin. Um, and here's why it's not so much about, can he do it or will he be an upgrade in the passing game? That's not really my question. My question is, will he meet expectations from fans? Mm-hmm. You know, Colin, Colin Cowherd always says fans are disappointed when their expectations are just exceeding reality. And I'm <laughs> a little scared. We've already anointed this dude, the second coming of Bryce Petty. And I'm just not convinced that he is that. And I'm not convinced that he is that because he didn't prove that he was that last season. Um, Everyone wants to talk about the Big 12 championship game. He struggled in the second half of that championship game. I know he was starting in the second quarter. Right. I know he was injured. I'm not I'm not dogging the guy, but he is not proven in a college game yet that he can just make all the throws and that he's going to hit on a bunch of deep bombs. I think he's hit on one deep bomb for Baylor and it was to Tristan Ebner on a wheel route. It was beautiful. But outside of that, man, I just haven't seen it. So here's, here's the problem. Fans have a tendency to roast a dude. Even if he's great, if he doesn't meet their expectations. Mm. And we've had two examples in recent history, Charlie Brewer, 
is an all-timer at Baylor by any metric. He is one of the all-time best quarterbacks we've ever had. And yet all fans do with him now is slander (laughs) because he did suck his last year at, at Baylor. And I give most of that grief, not to him, but to Larry Fedora. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like, but people had these expectations and he didn't meet them. Gary Bohannon did everything you wanted him to do last year. Set a program record in wins. He's, (laughs) He just got named the starter at USF, dude. He's going to take last year's two-win USF team to a bowl game this year. I'm so confident in that. That dude is a B-plus to A-minus college quarterback by any metric. But we had these expectations, and he wasn't the expectation. So fans just roasted him. By the time he was gone, everyone's just like shaping. So I say all that to say, Blake Shapin is my question mark. I think he will be good. I think he will be good. I don't think he's Zach Wilson. Not today. Not today. I, I don't know how the offense is going to look under him compared to Bohannon. There may be some bigger plays downfield. There may also be some times when it's fourth and two and dad gummit. I wish I had that threat of the quarterback power. Um, he yeah. he throws three balls high out of the back of the end zone in the red zone, and I say, if only he could put his head down and run over a dude, right? So you just don't know. So I guess my cautionary tale, fans, let it happen. Let's see what he is, and let's get excited about it when it happens. And lastly, of course, my big question mark with him is can he stay healthy? It's um, a big one. If, and frankly, if he can't, I'm kind of excited to see what Kyron Drones can do. Um, not that I would wish for that at all. Uh, Cause I think Shapin's a stud, but um, man, I just hope he can make it through the season and that we don't roast him. If he's not Johnny Manziel or Robert Griffin tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I'm I got on a, no. I got on more of a soapbox than I intended to. Hey man, <laughs> I, I don't disagree with anything you just said. Um, RVO, R V O reliable, violent, offense we've heard it again and again and again reliable you think Baylor's offense is going to be more reliable this year than last year it depends on how you define reliable right okay you define reliable in your head and I will define it okay yeah yeah go ahead okay so I would say reliable being Confidence that I'm going to get first downs. Confidence that I'm going to have touchdown drives. And how consistently I do those two things, I guess, right? So, like, like if you go into a game and have eight three and outs and then, like, four amazing touchdown drives, that's not reliable, right? But if you have four touchdown drives, one three and out, and several drives where you got two or three first downs and just, you know, couldn't get to the end zone, that to me is reliable, right? And so I, that's not a great definition. Um, I'm not so sure Baylor's offense will be more reliable. I think it will be more explosive. And I think that's kind of what we've all talked about now in circles with Bohannon versus Shapin. Um, replacing Abram Smith and Ty Thornton um, is no easy task, especially Abram Smith. And leaning into the deep ball more and the big play more, I think, does make you slightly less reliable. Although maybe you score more, maybe it's more explosive and more fun. 
Does that make sense? No, it makes total sense. Cause I'm I'm kind of right there with you. I'm like, what makes a reliable offense? And to me, it's not turning the ball over and not having three and outs. Hmm. And that is my one other concern I will say with Blake Shapin is he's a gunslinger. True. And Bohannon had what, like five or six interceptions last year? Something like that. It it was very little, but I could see Shapin doubling that number. I could. Oh, yeah. I think oh, yeah. we will have, as an offense, more turnovers than we did last year. I just do. Okay? But to your point, like, I think we'll have more explosive plays. So hopefully the explosive plays will even things out. And, you know, if Shapin throws two interceptions in a game, you know, hopefully the – actually, I know the defense will have his back. But will we have enough explosive plays to – um, you know, counteract that. And I want to say the answer is yes. I strongly believe that, that it will be yes, but you know, it's yet to be seen. So I think my answer is no, I don't think we'll have a more reliable offense. I think, like you said, we'll ha- be more explosive, but as far as reliability goes, I, I have to say no, I just have to say no. Um, violent, violent. I'll, I'll, I'll kick this one off. Is Baylor's offense going to be more violent this year? And this one was tough for me because I'm trying to think what made our offense so violent last year. And it comes down to kind of the running game for me Um, and blocking by wide receivers. I thought our blocking last year from our wide receivers was very good. Very good. And then our offensive line took a huge step forward. We basically got the same offensive line, okay? Now, the running back, I think we got less violent. I think you look at just how Abram Smith ran. Like, he always was falling forward, getting two extra yards. Didn't matter who was on him. He was always getting two extra yards. And even Ebner, Ebner's physicality is, uh, he was a big, he's a big guy. He's a really big guy, okay? And so, like, when you look at Squirrel, when you look at uh, Tay, um, they're not as big physically as Abe Smith and as Ebner. So, I don't think we're going to have as powerful as a running back. And then, uh, Gary Bohannon is a powerful runner. We're not going to get that out of Shapin. And so, I think Abe Smith, Ebner, and um, Bohannon made our offense very violent so i i have to also say no like i don't think we're going to be as violent this year what do you think yeah i disagree with you um i disagree with you i think you're underselling tay mcwilliams on size a little bit i think that dude is i think that dude can run with some power and frankly it's not a size thing but what we've seen from squirrel so far in camp is that he's running between the tackles very well uh he's not going to run like abe smith but um when I think of violent, I think of that O line, man. And you already said it. We're bringing all of them back, and I think there's a there's a very strong argument that Baylor is going to have the best offensive line in the United States of America this year. I don't think that's an exaggeration or hyperbole. And so, dude, I think the violence up front is going to be amplified. I think year two in Grimes' system helps with this. I think on the outside, the wide receivers, some of the wide receivers that we're going to be counting on, Hal Presley and Javen Gibson, 6'3 and big. I mean, I think um, if they can play even as physically as Ty Thornton, they're bigger than he is. And, and so I think you could see that continue. And then here's the other thing. 
I think two of our four leading receivers very well could be Ben Sims and Drake Dabney. Yes. And agreed. If if you trust what Travis Roder says over there at Sikkim, and I think Travis does good work, um, Tay McWilliams could be in the conversation for for a lot of receiving yards, and he's mm. physical. And so I I think you're right. Losing the QB power um, is a huge violent element lost uh but i don't think the offense will be less violent i think with that o-line and the backs we have and we are deep at running back it's kind Mm -hmm. of embarrassing we have six running backs who could start at a lot of schools and and that's not an exaggeration there's six of them and i i think i think that bodes well i think we will be more violent than last year I uh deferring opinions there, but one thing we can't agree on is uh the offensive line might be the best in the nation. Might be oh, yeah. the best in the nation. And we've we we've kind of covered how the offense is gonna look different. So I wanna move over to the defense now and let's talk about man, the defensive line is gonna be ridiculous. But what what I'm really concerned about or what I wanna know is your level of concern in replacing two in a Really, four NFL guys, but uh, the two main guys, Petrie and Bernard. I mean, the the, the defense was built off of these mm. two guys last year. It was almost like, hey, if we're gonna if we're gonna rush, it's gonna be we're either sending sending Petrie or Bernard, and you're gonna have to choose who you think's coming. And even if you choose right, right. you may still lose. So, right. what is your level of concern here replacing Petrie and Bernard? Again, man, maybe we disagree. Um, those two guys are, are all-timers and belong on every Baylor all-time list. Um, but my concern at replacing them is minimal. It's really minimal. Um, mostly because I think their success last year was in large part due to scheme. And that obviously remains. Uh Mostly because I think they had success a lot of the time rushing the passer because our defensive line is so violent. That is going to continue. And then, dude, I like the guys who are stepping in. So you've got, you know, we found out this week, Al Walcott is going to start at star. Um, Dude, that guy, um, I don't know that he is as tenacious around the football as Petrie. We're going to have to see. But as far as forcing turnovers, I think that guy could do every bit what Petrie did last year, picking the ball off and forcing fumbles. I think think he's a ball hawk, man. We saw it. you know, with some, with some burst, uh, at corner last year. Um, and then at that linebacker spot, man, um, uh, I, I don't know for sure. And I haven't done my research on this. It, I had heard somewhere Dylan Doyle was going to slide over and take that, um, that will roll. Um, I don't know. it's going to be, it's going to be him or Matt Jones. And, um, when I heard that Matt Jones was not going to be playing that edge, uh, kind of role, um, Jack, is, is the name of yep. that position. I was a little concerned because to me, Matt Jones is such a good pass rusher. But if you can imagine, if he can just nail like the coverage and the um, filling gaps stuff like Bernard did, and we know he can rush the passer, dude, like I think we're really set in those spots. Um, I think the bigger question in replacing Petrie and Bernard is who takes on the leadership role, right? Mm. Um, you could see it even on that goal line stand during the Big 12 championship game to win the thing. You could see Petrie and Bernard every down barking, 
mm-hmm. like like taking command. We are gonna effing win this game, right? <laughs> and and um, so who's gonna be the vocal leader? I think Dylan Doyle has kind of already taken on that role in some ways. Um, I think Christian Morgan can take on that role, and I think that will be interesting because I don't think he's gonna start. Um, that's Which interesting. I would also say don't sleep on Josh White. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how he fits into the depth chart at this mm-hmm. point. Um, not a guy who's produced highly at the college level yet, but a mega athlete talent who Dave knew from LSU. And if Dave brought him here, it's not to ride the bench. And I suspect, <laughs> um, I suspect he will be spelling in for like Doyle or Jones. I don't think he's going to be like a starting linebacker, but I think he's going to make some disruptive plays as well, man. So I just think scheme, talent, man, I I, I am not too worried about replacing those two studs. I'm really yeah, not. I, I, I'm right there with you. I'm not, I'm not really concerned at all about replacing them because of the scheme. Um, and I liked your point about who's going to take on the leadership role. Yeah. I think that's the, that, that is the biggest question in replacing those two guys. I hadn't even thought about that. And so I think we know Doyle is going to be a, a leader there. And I, I think Apu needs to take that leadership step as well. I think I remember back in the fall that Aranda had said something about Apu is kind of taking on more of a leadership role. And I think we we desperately need guys like that on the defense because we lost Bernard because we lost Petrie. And so, yeah, I, I think there's room for someone else to step in there. And I, I really hope it's Apu because he is such a force in the middle. And I think when you've got that force in the middle and then you partner that with the leadership, I mean, guys can get behind that and just, uh, you know, don't know him personally, but just seeing how, how much fun (laughs) it looks like he's having when he's playing football uh, but also his level of, of commitment and seriousness about about the game is infectious. And I think if he can bring that leadership aspect into it, guys are going to rally around him for yeah. sure. And I think, yeah, the linebacker is, it's going to be interesting what happens because yes, Josh White is is just an athletic dude back there. Like super, right. might be one of our most athletic linebackers. And so it might be a deal with him where, he doesn't play a lot maybe in the first half of the season because he's figuring out scheme. He's figuring out how to how to read what's going to happen. Um, and maybe by the end of the year, he's stepping into more of a starting role or more of just a role in general, even if it's coming off of the bench. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what we do with Matt Jones. Um, just where he lands in that linebacker, does he go to middle linebacker? Do we shift Doyle over? Does he just take the will linebacker? Right. Um, I, I just don't know. Um, yeah. So that yeah. that is a question mark for sure. Because I think wherever Matt Jones lands, I think the rest of the dominoes will fall. And, Dude, it, and also, you, you know, injuries happen. Injuries happen. <laughs> so, to, so to be able to have Matt Jones play in the middle, uh, will to play Jack, to have that versatility is right. um, right. going to be extremely important this year. Um, so yeah, you know, Baylor has, has an interesting legacy where Baylor just always has good linebackers, man. Um, from the Mike Singletary days, but all the way, like even during the dark ages, like when we were so terrible, Joe Pavelic was one of the best players in the nation Mm -hmm. at linebacker. 
Um, and then I think back to when I was a student, you know, it was Bryce Hager and Eddie Lackey. But then right after them was Clay Johnston. Clay Johnston goes down, and that's when Terrell Bernard steps in and gets his shot. And so, um, man, like between Doyle, jo- Doyle and Jones primarily, but, you know, excited also to see Josh White and some of these other young guys. Uh, the young guys that we've recruited the last two classes mm-hmm. at linebacker, we just have to see who emerges as a playmaker. But, um Man, the talent is just through the roof. Um, I, I like I like Matt Jones more than I like a lot of guys on this team, man. Uh, that guy's tenacious. Agreed. I, I really liked how he came on strong there at the end of the end of the year last year, and I think the Sugar Bowl was was one of his better games. Um, hmm. Hey, quickly here, just give me a yes or no here. Can we maintain our defensive dominance this year? Not only maintain but improve. Yes, agreed. Yes, okay. Um, Let's do talk about a little bit about positional updates. I know we've covered a, a lot of these guys already, but let's stick with the defense there and just kind of positional updates at defensive back. Like you said, uh, I didn't really know before this week what was going to happen in the defensive backfield because I think whoever took that star position, the rest of the dominoes were going to fall. Right. And it does sound like Al Walcott is going to start for us at star. And so I think that yep. kind of fills out the rest of the defensive backfield there. And we're going to have kind of like we did last year where we were able to kind of shuffle in three guys at safety and those three guys being Christian Morgan, Devin Neal. And I think Devin Lemire is going to get quite a bit of playing time there at safety this year. Um, and then we all, we all know and love snacks, Lorando Johnson, just one of the, maybe the best uh, nickname in Baylor football history snacks, like, you can't just you can't just say it once. I gotta say it multiple times. Snacks. Um, he's gonna move to cornerback. So we saw him come in um, and kind of when, when Petrie uh, coming for Petrie at times at the star position. Not a lot. Petrie was on the field a lot, but and then especially in that Sugar Bowl, he was that fifth uh, defensive back that played a lot. And uh, quick credit to Dylan Doyle for being okay with not playing a lot that game. But uh, snacks. Uh, very excited to, to see him on the field just in any capacity this year. He'll be at cornerback. Um, and I think the same thing with cornerback. We we ended up shuffling kind of three guys in last year, and I think it's going to be the same thing with with Snacks, probably Mark Milton, A.J. Yep. McCarty. Uh, and then we've got some young guys that I think could get in that rotation by the end of the year in Romario Noel, Reggie Bush, and Tevin Williams. So cornerback's going to be interesting, but I think it's going to be Snacks, Milton McCarty to kind of start the year. Your thoughts? Yeah. Am I wrong on anything there? No, you're mostly on track. I think uh, Walcott at star is going to be a revelation. Uh, I really do. Uh, Christian Morgan is not going to start. I think that's interesting. And I I think it is. um, You know, uh, we trust this coaching staff when they decided to replace Bohannon um, with shape in like okay they they must know something here and i think they must know something here so the 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 three safeties along with morgan who are going to get some run are all named devin so it's you you <laughs> mentioned devin neal devin Le- lemire and then again travis roder i want to give him credit because I, I got this from him thinks devin bobby who's a freshman okay. um will actually get a lot of run uh okay. he's made it he's made an immediate impact at camp so um <laughs> i do think i will say um you are not going to replace JT Woods in terms of production. Oh, I just can't imagine, as well as any of those guys play, I don't think you just replace an NFL free safety um, 
right out of the gate. A guy who had so many picks last year and was so crucial. Um, Career year. So that will be tough. That will be tough, man. But I think I think we're gonna be. I think we're going to be finding the defensive backfield. The weakest position is corner. And as we've pointed out already multiple times, the good news is your corners um, are much better when they only have to cover for three seconds as opposed to six seconds. And with our defensive front, um, they are not going to have to cover guys for long periods of time. Um, Milton has to play well. Uh, you know, fifth or sixth year senior, like it's his time. He's got to step up and do it. McCarty's going to get run. Um, you're right. Snacks, I think, might start uh, at corner because so. he has played so well when he's gotten opportunities. I would be shocked if by the end of the year, Tevin Williams is not one of fans' favorite players. I really like um, him. He's really gifted. He is young, but um, he reminds me a lot of um, Petrie in the sense of like when he was even a recruit he was the guy recruiting other guys to come to Baylor. <laughs> he was the guy that was like very raw, raw hype about being a Baylor bear a year before he was on campus. Um, and he was a highly rated corner. So Tevin Williams is a guy I'm excited to see on the field also. Yeah, for sure. Let's, let's shift now to opposite side of the opposite side of the field here. Um, and my, my biggest concern coming into the, uh, to the year here is wide receiver. Um, lots of talent in that room. Um, but I think starting off the year, we're going to see Josh Cameron and Hal Presley start on the outside. We're going to see Monterey Baldwin in the slot. And then I, I do think even though they start that it is a very, very open competition because, oh yeah, I mean, who do you see kind of as the fourth guy? I mean, first off, do you agree with those three kind of starting against Albany? And then who is that fourth guy that you think is really going to make a push and maybe not start, um, but get lots of get lots of time. You're gonna get me on a soapbox. This is. Let me think about this. <laughs> this is the third deepest position on the team. I really believe that. I think. I think uh, defensive line and running back probably have this group beat. But there are so many guys here. Travis, um, Josh Cameron, breakout star from the spring, earned a scholarship, will probably start. Mm-hmm. Earlier, you mentioned Snacks might be your favorite Baylor football nickname. Mine might be Sweet Feet, which was <laughs> uh, the, the man you mentioned at the top of the podcast, yes, Tevin sir. Reese. Monterey Baldwin is Sweeter Feet. He is, <laughs> he is Tevin Reese, but maybe better. Um, Javon Gibson is going to start. Uh, you didn't mention him. Uh, dude is is one of the four horsemen of two classes ago and 6'3 big. And uh, as much as I also think how Presley should start, he didn't get any snaps in the spring game. And I never heard if he was hurt. Do you know if he was hurt in the spring game? I thought he did play in the spring game, just not a lot. I don't know. Maybe you're right. I don't I, remember, I'm, honestly. I'm not convinced how starts. The okay. other guy who, the other guy who will start, you didn't say it, is Gavin Holmes. Gavin Holmes is absolutely a starter in this group if, if he's fully healthy. So for me, it's Cameron, Baldwin, Holmes, and Gibson. But I got to tell you, I've got confidence that behind those guys, Jalen Ellis or Armani Winfield could be the number one wide receiver by season's end. I'll add those Seth Jones are, to that as well. The the well, I was about to say behind all of those guys, yeah, Cam, Cam Bonner 
is one of my favorites I've been talking about for a year now. Yeah. He had that 75-yard touchdown in the spring game, blew by two defensive backs on a post. That's all he did in high school. He's crazy. Seth Jones, you said it, crazy good. Elijah Bean, 6'5 and can run. Like, the criticism of my take here is none of these guys have proven it on the college level. Right. But it's an embarrassment of talent. And so the question is, who's going to step up and seize the moment? Because here's what's going to happen against Albany. I think every single one of these guys gets snaps. Absolutely. And you may have one or two throws. And that's your shot. And <laughs> yeah. and I just think I just think in that third quarter, there's gonna be like like a third string guy, like an Elijah Bean or a Cam Bonner, who's gonna make some catch or have some run after the catch, take it to the house. And have an opportunity for the rest of the season because they do it. I mean, it's it's I believe it. it's really exciting to see who's going to step up. Um, I think the only given is Josh Cam- uh, not Josh Cameron. I'm sorry, is is Monterey Baldwin. I yeah. think I think he's the given. Gavin Holmes, if healthy, is the other one. Everybody else, uh, talent. Show me what you can do. Show me what you can do. Yeah, yeah. I think I- I'm right there with you. I think the first game. Both of these positions we just talked about, cornerback and wide receiver, I think we're just going to be like shuffling guys in, in and out, in and out, in and out. You get this series, you get this series, whatever. And just, we got to find out what we have. We got to find out when practice is one thing, but we got to find out who's a gamer. We got to figure out when the lights are bright, who's going to show up and who's going to make catches for us. And listen, I hate playing Albany week one, especially because we're, we're, we're playing BYU week two. Like, like that is horrible. And yet, the the one good thing, the silver lining, if you will, is that it's essentially a glorified scrimmage against dudes that you want to hit hard because they're not your teammates. The same thing, glorified scrimmage. Right, right. So, so you really do treat it. We need to treat it as a practice. And I don't mean mindset wise, but I mean play all the, play all your guys, play yes. them all, get yeah, the tape because. Because how guys play in that stadium with a crowd um, against another jersey color, even against Albany, you're right. Some of those guys are going to turn up. Um, and that's what we need to find out from, from both of those groups you just mentioned. For sure. For sure. Okay. Let's move on to players that we know are going to just absolutely ball out this year. And the preseason all Big 12 teams have been released I don't know if you guys have seen that, but I want to get your take on who are our first team all Big 12 candidates. Who who I I guess I'll ask it in this way. Who do you think okay. like for sure is going to be first team all Big 12 and then who do you think is like honorable mention second team pushing yeah, for yeah. that could make the okay. first first team. Maybe I'll ask it that way. Okay, so I when when I knew you were going to ask me this question, I arranged. There's five categories I have. <laughs> okay. Um, so my first, my first category is your shoe ins. So I guess what you're saying, who are the like they're going to make it? To yep. me, the shoe ins are uh, Connor Galvin, uh, Dylan Doyle. Both of them were were first team preseason. But I'd also add Jacob Gall and Siaki Ika to that. I th- I think those are your shoe ins. I agree. Um, I agree. Those are shoe ins. I agree. Yes. My second category is probably exclamation point. Um, <laughs> if they have the season they they are capable of having, they should probably make first team. And, and this is this would give us a lot. But Ben Sims probably probably should be a first team Big Twelve caliber player this year. Jackson Jackson player probably 
Should be a first-team wow. caliber player. We're going to see how many snaps he gets. Um, but, Travis, I'll go on the record now. We'll talk about this all season. I think he's going to be more productive than Apu. I really do. Wow. I really do. Um, wow. I really do. Grant Miller probably should also. That would give us three offensive linemen wow. on the first team. But if we're being honest, we probably deserve it. Dark Horse. Uh, not Dark Horse, because that's a whole other category. But probably Isaac Power. Oh, dude, I didn't think about Dude. Yes. Why not? Yes. He is so great. And then and then under probably I put choose your own defensive end. I don't even know where to go with that because between Gabe Hall, Cole Maxwell, TJ Franklin, and Braden Utley, like any of them could do it, but probably one of them gets there. Um next category, good chance. I think Al Walcott and Gar- Garmin Randolph are two guys that nobody's talking about right now that have a good chance to be up there by season's end. Um, I've got a dark horse category. Here's my dark horses. Mm, squirrel. Um, squirrel. Nobody's talking about squirrel because we're all talking about B. John and Deuce Vaughn, but, um, give me squirrel. Uh, Matt Jones is a dark horse. I think Blake Shapin would be a dark horse and snacks would be a dark horse. And then my fifth category, and I'm sorry, I'm being so uh, dramatic about this, but <laughs> my fifth category for this is, uh, you've seen dumb and dumber. Of course. Okay, of course. Good. I hope most of our listeners have as well. It's a classic. My fifth category is, so you're saying there is a chance. (laughs) More like one in a billion. And in that category, I have placed Devin Neal and Tay McWilliams. So there's everybody. That's a very long list. Wow, that is a very long list. Mine is not as big because I just, (laughs) yeah, mine is not nearly as big. Because you were more rational than me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I... One person I didn't have on this list that I 100% agree with is uh, Isaac Power. Like, was it was it the Sugar Bowl where he just like yeah annihilated mm-hmm. a punt like 60 yards? I think it, it was, was a Sugar dude, Bowl. It was a Big 12 championship. He did no, it was it in a Big both. 12 championship. I feel like I definitely remember the Big 12 game because he was there. The, he flipped the field on on Oklahoma State. I'm pretty sure if I remember. Yeah, correctly. dude. Dude, I just, if he's not the best punter, in the, I don't follow other teams' punters, guys. I'm not <laughs> that does? crazy. Who does? But if Isaac if Isaac Power is not the best punter in the Big 12, I want to know who is. Because, yeah. yeah, he's incredible. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I 100% would add him to the, like, probably, exclamation point. I like that yeah, category, exactly. probably. Yeah. I like <laughs> exactly. that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think those four guys we first mentioned – for sure for me. And then I'm going to like two other guys that I'm kind of whittled it down to Gabe Hall. I think Gabe Hall has a strong, strong chance. You've to chosen make. your defensive end. Well, yes, done. I have. It's Gabe Hall. The dude is, oh, I can't wait to see Gabe Hall play. I am so excited about Gabe Hall. And then like Blake Shapin, man, like mark my words. Blake Shapin, because I'm looking at the other quarterbacks in the Big 12, and you've got uh, Riley's gone from OU. I think he's better than Dylan Gabriel. I do. I do Spencer too. Sanders, he's better. I think he's better than Sp- Spencer Sanders. Come on. If Spencer Sanders can make first team all Big 12, then you bet your butt Blake Shapin can make first team all Big 12. Okay? UT yeah. doesn't even know who their quarterback's going to be. Which Adrian is hilarious, Mar- by the way. <laughs> Which is, like, it's Quinn, Quinn Ewers, Quinn Ewers, Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers and then all of a sudden, like, Hudson Card's going to be program. our <laughs> Quinn Ewers, like, savior of the program, can't oh, win the man. job. It's amazing. Um, 
Adrian Martinez, I, JT Daniels, Max Duggan, Tyler Shook, Jalen Daniels, Hunter Deckers. Like, Blake Shapin can be first team Big 12, and I think he will. Like, I'm I going out there and I'm saying he's going to be first team all Big 12 quarterback. Because Dude, no, nothing would throw me more. Nothing would throw me more. Like, I think, Spencer Sanders. I think Oh, it's not going to be Spencer Sanders. That's it's not what I'm saying. Like that was last a, year, that Spencer was a lifetime was achievement. Team. He won that on lifetime achievement. Like, um, no, it will be it will be Adrian Martinez. I I I would not be shocked. I I, know, I think a lot of people are hating on Adrian Martinez because of what he did in Nebraska, but I think the system of Kansas State it lines up perfectly to the type of quarterback he is, and I think like. I don't even think we have this on the on the docket for Oh, we do. Okay, but we'll get to that later. Maybe. Okay. Hopefully. Great. Because yeah. Let's do it. Okay. So, um All-American candidates. I've got two. I think Connor Galvin and Apu are All-Americans. Those are my two All-Americans. Do you have any? Uh I think Galvin is a shoe in again. I think Jacob Gall is a shoe in, dude. I think Jacob, if Jacob Gall is not an All-American by season's end, I will be shocked. Um, I think Ben Sims uh, has an outside shot. Uh, I think Jackson Player has every bit the shot that Ika does. Um, and you're high on Jackson Player. I, I'm, I really I am, love man. him, but man, you're high on him. I really am. And then, and then I guess the other... The other guys, some of the other guys I mentioned earlier, I think Doyle would have an outside-outside shot. I think Walcott has an outside shot if he just really replaces Petrie's role the way I think he can. I think Isaac Power, Dude, again, I don't know I the landscape of punters. I don't know the landscape of punters in America, but maybe Isaac <laughs> Powers uh, gets a gets a second team or an honorable mention somewhere. Um, and then the big dark horse man, I say this with every bit of convention, Squirrel is a dark horse. Absolutely. Can, oh man. If he in I'm this so offense in this offense with what this offensive line is capable of doing. That dude, if he can even get 12 carries a game, and I know that's a lot, but it's not as many as A. I think had, he will. I think he will. If he can get 12 carries a game. I mean, is he not potentially a shiftier Lake Seastruck? Is that not Ooh. what he is? Ooh, I, it's hard for me to put anybody in the same categories. Like I understand, is, is and again, mm. I understand. But do you know what Lake would have done behind this offensive oh, line? Gosh. Oh, oh, bro. Gosh. Anyway, yeah. All right. Well, we digress. And now it's time for a segment we like to call. Oh so, or oh no. We're going to do something different now. Um, I'm ready. It's a segment that I kind of want to start doing. I'm kind of excited about it. And I have it on the uh, notes here as take it or leave it. Okay, but I'm going to switch that up. And we're going to call this oh so, or oh no. So, <laughs> Dude, so oh, oh, so is like, yes, you agree with this statement and oh, no, is disagree. I'm ready. Okay. That's hilarious. Are you ready? All right. So I'm ready. Uh, first statement, Tay McWilliams will lead Baylor in rushing yards this season. Oh, so or oh, no. 
Oh no. This is the year of the squirrel. Oh no for me as well. Squirrel Williams leads the Bears in rushing yards this year. Ben Sims will lead Baylor in receiving yards oh so for me. Oh so for me also. And it's not going to be because he goes crazy. It's going to be because we don't have one true number one receiver. Yep. Um, hey, I want to mention a couple stats about Ben Sims that we need do to it. follow this year. Let's do it. Um, he hasn't been a high yardage guy. Um, he only had 361 yards last season, which might shock some people because it felt like he had so many big catches. I think this year he gets 900. I think he's going to yeah. be the guy, 900 yards this year, and I think that will be enough to lead the team. Some stats to keep an eye on this season. He needs 464 yards to pass Brad Taylor as Baylor's all-time leading receiver amongst tight ends. Baylor has never had a tight end go over 1,000 career receiving yards. What? And if Sims, yeah, isn't that amazing? And if Sims, if Sims gets 470, so 464 puts him first place in Baylor history for tight ends. 470 gets him a thousand. Oh, I think so, a thousand. Um, I think it's I think it's more likely than not. Yeah, I think well, I think. Anyway, well, yeah, we'll add that in. Will Will Ben Sims reach over a thousand receiving yards for career this year? I say oh so. Oh so. Yeah. Oh so. It, any more stats about Ben Sims before we go? Before, before we move on to more statements? No more. I just no? we need okay. to watch that awesome. that whenever he gets to that like 400 yard mark this year, we need to start getting ready to get hype for him to be the all time leading receiver amongst. Baylor I like Titans. that. I'm glad we yeah. added that that one in. All right, Baylor will average more points per game than last year. Last year, 31.64 points per game. Last year, what what say you? For one thing, that is more points than I thought we averaged Same. last year. I was thinking like mid-20s. Yeah, right. For another thing, Oso, we will average more points this year. Oso as well. Oso as well. Baylor has the best defensive line in the conference. Oso. Oso. That's too easy. Too easy. Baylor defense will combine for more sacks than last year. We had 44 sacks last year. Mm. I'm kicking that one to you first because I honestly, this is a toss-up for me. Oh, so I'll go. Oh, no. As crazy mm. as I think our front seven's going to be, I'm, I'll go. Oh, no, because 44 sacks is a lot of freaking sacks. Hey, All listen, right. I, I agree, but I said we'd be better and I think we will. So I'll say, oh, so. All right. Oh, so it is for you. Baylor defense will have more interceptions than last year. 19 last year. I'm saying, oh, no. I'm saying, oh, no. And it's because you can't replace JT Woods. JT Woods. Yes. I think he had six. I think he had six. Yeah. If yeah. that's if that's right. All right. Um, last three here. Baylor will win the big twelve. Oh so or oh no. Oh so. I don't know who else would be the favorite at this point. Oh so. I oh so. I think we win the big twelve. Uh high probability, so I'm gonna say oh so. I think it's all, pretty much a lock we at least make the championship game. I'll I'll say I'm yeah, I'm I'd be shocked. Hundred percent confident sh- in that, honestly. This season, like it or not, this season w- will be a disappointment and, dare I say, a failure if we don't make the game. I, I don't know I about a say. failure. I'd be a little I bit disappointed, so. but not a failure. Not a failure for me. Um, but it'll be a failure if Baylor doesn't make the championship game. Oh, no, for me. It's not <laughs> oh, a so failure. for me. Okay, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Baylor can make the college football playoff. I have with one loss, but I'm I'm scratching that end. Baylor can make the college football playoff. Oh, so. 
Oh, so for me, if, if everything lines up, it is there for the taking or we have a tough schedule, but also I think that is a real possibility. I'm not putting my expectations as that. I think that's an no, extra bonus, but you also to, for me. You'd have to get everything right. So like you'd have to win the conference. I don't think you get in with two losses. I think it would have to be one. And that loss would have to be a ranked loss. Yeah. BYU on the road, Oklahoma, yeah. Oklahoma State, K-State. You lose to yeah. West Virginia, Texas Tech, or TCU, you're screwed. You're done. Agreed. I mean, that's just, yeah, that's just Agreed. the Big 12's position right now. All right, last one. Baylor will make the college football playoff. I say, oh, no. I say, oh, no. I'm glad I'm glad you didn't say, oh, so. <laughs> yeah. No, I, th- I think we got a shot. Like, I honestly do think, like, we are good enough to get there. I just don't see it. Remember how I talked about fan expectations and disappointment earlier? I'm trying not to expect a playoff berth because I will be. I'm not even letting that enter my mind. I'm just like, let's get to the Big 12 championship game and then let the chips fall where they may. And and I mostly feel this way because I think there's a very good shot the Big 12 champion has two two losses. I agree. I think think this conference is a gauntlet and, and it's so, like, there's so much turnover at big programs right now we don't know what's going to happen and, and so yeah i i actually think uh we make the playoff next season but Ooh. it's Ooh. not time to okay. talk about next season okay 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 <laughs> all right um that was oh so or oh no i liked that that was fun i did too i like that i did too that I'm was gonna, good we're, we're gonna keep doing that that was fun all right <laughs> um and you know what rolling into big 12 talk let's just do a quick quick landscape of what the Big 12 look like looks like. Um, the coaches poll had, I think, four teams? Five teams? Four? Four. I think it's four. Anyways, the AP, though, had only three. Um, coaches poll had uh, Texas in there, and a, they got a first-place vote, of course. Wonder who that was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the AP, I think, is... Uh, and, okay... Before I start talking about rankings, I've said on the show before, preseason rankings mean nothing, and they still mean nothing, okay? But we're going to talk about them. All right, so teams of the top 25, AP, OU number 9, BU number 10, sweet, all right, pretty sweet, Oklahoma State number 12. Um, But as far as the entire landscape goes of the Big 12, I think we say it every year. Like, I feel like this is is, uh, an episode of The Bachelor, because everyone that's on (laughs) The Bachelor is like... I've never felt this way so quickly about you before. Like, I didn't know we could fall in love so quickly. And it happens every season. And every season they say, this is the most dramatic season in Bachelor history. Yeah, I watched the show with my wife. Okay, don't hate. Don't hate. Okay? But this is the same the same thing. The Big 12 is going to be a gauntlet. We say it every single year. And every year we say it's more so than the last. But really and truly, it is it is wide wide open for the taking. I mean, think about the turnover. I think about Baylor has the, I think longest 10, not longest tenure. Cause I think Klein and uh, Gundy have been there for quite a while. But as far as coaching staff goes, Baylor has one of the most like, what am I trying to say? I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but experience wise, I think Baylor is one of the most experienced and uh, we got a lot of turnover so I think to your point, I think it's a strong possibility that the two teams playing in the Big 12 championship game have two losses, like two Big 12 losses. 
What are your thoughts about Big 12? Yeah, so I'll be that guy, I guess. I think this is the most uh, uncertain question mark type year in Big 12 history, at least that I can remember. Mostly because this is the most uncertain I've been about an Oklahoma team, maybe in my life. Yeah. Like they could they could they could run the gauntlet and we'd say, Yep, that's OU. <laughs> or they could win seven or eight games and I wouldn't be shocked. Like Same. I have no idea what Oklahoma's gonna look like. Uh I think Texas Tech could shock some people this year. I and I am biased because I am a fan of Joey McGuire. Um but everything he's done in Lubbock so far has just been a hit, and it wouldn't surprise me if they upset some people. You've got high-profile new quarterbacks at UT, if he starts, LOL, um, <laughs> he starts. West Virginia, and Kansas State. I mean, JT Daniels and Adrian Martinez two or three years ago were Watch like out. the next big like Heisman contender. Watch and, out. Um, they, they have some motivation, man. Um, Kansas. I think it's going to be a pretty good football team this year. Um, I think the over/under on them is one and a half games on the season, and I'm like, I'm oh, they're the definitely over. going to win more than two. More than they're going to oh, win two games or more. I'd, I think I'd put so much money on the over. They looked because even last year, they just looked different. They looked like a real football team last year, even though the record was still poor. Um, so yeah, I think the conference is competitive top to bottom. Um, it's going to be interesting. I have some opinions, but I, I don't know. Well, you know. you know, like, I I think you said it right there with the quarterbacks. Excuse me. With Adrian Martinez and JT Daniels, those are my two, like, you said dark horse categories earlier. Right I, would, I, right. I would even say they're a little bit step above dark horse, but, like, if there's two teams that are going to surprise you in the Big 12 this year and have a chance to make the championship game, it's Kansas State and it's West Virginia. 100%. Hmm. I, I, yeah, I I would disagree. I don't think West Virginia has has the depth of the team to make the championship game. I think they and I don't know that JT Daniels is any good. I, I I don't think he's proven anything. Whereas Kansas State, I definitely agree with you. I think Adrian Martinez could be the best quarterback in the conference, especially in that system, especially with Colin Klein calling mm, plays. Yeah, like that was such a smart hire For at sure. Kansas State, and then um. I've actually got Kansas State. I know we're not talking about this maybe explicitly, but I think Kansas State is going to make the Big 12 championship game. I would not be shocked. I think their schedule lines up nicely. And, um, man, that's just a program that every time you think that (laughs) they've fallen back into mediocrity, they have a season like they had under Colin Klein or like they had, you know. I mean, they, they, they make a championship game. And I believe in their coaching staff. I believe in that quarterback. Um same. They were pretty. I, they were they were pretty close to kick to hitting it last year. They just dropped some games they shouldn't have. Well, injuries um, at the quarterback position as well. I mean, um, the, yeah, their right, defense so. is really good. They're, they may they they've got a defensive end. I can't think of his name, and I'm so sorry that I can't think of his name. But he's got a chance to be the defensive player of the year in the Big Twelve. Um, and but they're and dude, defen- I, I I know. Ahead. Sorry to interrupt you. I know no, I know B I know B. John Robinson is like the big sexy like Heisman pick for the media because he goes to UT, but I think Deuce Vaughn is better. Like I think Deuce Vaughn is the best, like most proven back in the Big Twelve today. Like I agree. the guy's incredible. He's he's and, he's oh he's amazing. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So I think yeah, I, I'm right I'm right there with you with Kansas State. 
they can make the Big 12 championship. Would not be shocked if they made the Big 12 championship with the defense, with the experience of the coaches, with Colin Klein calling plays. Now with Adrian Martinez having more of a structure in his right. offense and like, hey, we're going to let you just drop back there and make plays all game. Like, that's not going right. to happen here. He's going to have very specific reads and very specific things that they want him to do. And I think he's going to thrive. I think he's going to throw Travis, so. I'm, I'm, I'm improvising this, okay? But go with me. Love it. Just to prove that parity in the Big 12 exists, I'm going to ask you some osos or some onos. Let's do it. And my question is, I'm going to name a team, and you tell me, oso or ono, could they, not will they, could they make the Big 12 title game? Let's do it. I'm excited. Iowa, Iowa State. Oh, no. See, I say oh so. I think they can. Oklahoma State. Oh so. Absolutely. West Virginia. I will say oh so because I did earlier. I will say oh so. Kansas. Oh no. I agree. Texas Tech. Oh no. Yeah, I agree for now. Oklahoma. Oh so. Kansas State. Oh so. TCU. Oh no. Texas. Oh so. So I think each of us would have said one, two, three, four, five. Baylor would be six. Six. Each of you and I would both say that six of the ten teams could have. Mm-hmm. They have a shot. Our two, like the two we disagree on, I would say Iowa State. You would say West Virginia. West Virginia. But we yeah. would both say six teams have yeah. the ceiling of the Big Twelve championship game. That's Absolutely. crazy. That's that, wild. The, the SEC is not that deep. I, I, I agree. So anyway, I agree. I like those. I like that. Oh, so or oh no, man, it's gonna catch on. You've it's won the new me thing. Over. It's the new thing. <laughs> <laughs> if you are a returning listener, man, do we appreciate you hanging in with us for hopefully six seasons? If it's not, we'll forgive you and. You know what? If you're a new listener, if this is your first time coming into the pod, we also appreciate you. We hope you stick with us for this season six of Please Bear With Me. Lots of good stuff to come. Scotty, thank you for joining us. And man, I'm excited about the season. It's going to be great, man. And yeah, six years, it's crazy. This So year one of doing this was year one of the Matt Rule Trust the Process. Ooh. And so, gosh, like if you just think about the ride we've been on in the six years since with the coaching change and COVID and two just like crazy rises from nothing to everything, like it's been a fun ride, man. And this season's going to be one for the books, I think. Yeah. Season one, man, you really had to trust the process. And we are hoping that you, the listener, will trust the process of this podcast and stick with us for season six. This is Travis Corley and Scotty Swingler saying goodbye and sick of bears. The Please Bear With Me podcast was created by Scotty Swingler, is hosted and produced by Travis Corley in affiliation with 247 Sports and Bears Illustrated.